Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for this time as we get to worship you, as we draw close to you, God. I pray that we that you draw close to us. And Lord, as we hear your word this morning from Bryce, God, I pray that you would just give him the boldness and the ability to share your truth as he shares what your word has to say to us. Lord, I pray it would not lay on deaf ears, but God, that our hearts and our minds will be open. God, thank you so much for using him. Thank you so much for using these students today. But more importantly, God, I pray that Jesus Christ is lifted high. God, may you be honored today. Thank you for your great love. Thank you so much for providing Jesus for us. And we pray this in his name. Amen. Good morning. My name is Lee Brewer. Uh, I know I look a little bit different, but I've been on a pretty strict diet for the past couple of months. So, no, I'm just joking. I'm just joking. But seriously, Lee has lost 52 pounds in the past two months, is it? That's awesome. I just want to start off with that. That's really cool. So, yeah, get some brownie points before I start. Anyways, I'm actually Bryce Aguirre. Uh, I'm a senior. As you just saw, I came uh, with my cap and gown. Uh, I'm uh, about to graduate from Alito High School today. I'm 18. And uh, yeah, I mean, I've been going to this church since I was four years old. And this is my home church. I mean, this is the church that I love. Uh, I've been in the youth ministry for such a long time. I've learned so much. And uh, yeah, uh, I'm going to miss his family, definitely. But uh, Pretty much what I want to say next is I just want to thank uh, Lee and Kenny and Nathan and Annie Bob and all the other church staff for letting me uh, do an internship this past year. Uh, I was able to learn a lot uh, about ministry, about what it is and uh, what you do and really how much goes on behind the scenes because I never realized it and uh, I just realized how important ministry is. So I just want to thank them real quick because I think it was an awesome opportunity. Um, but pretty much my job during that was I was the behind-the-scenes guy. I was uh, writing papers for Lee's sermons. I wrote over, I think it was like 10 papers or something, so that's why his sermons were getting a little bit better towards the end, so <laughs> I'm just joking. No, 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 no. Anyways, uh, I'm excited to be up here, and I'm ready to share God's Word with you today, and thank you for being here with us, whether you're a visitor or you're uh, a returning member. Uh, I see it as an absolute honor to be up here and be able to share the Word of God with you today. It's awesome. So, uh, I'm a senior. I'm going to OU, Boomer. Thank you. So, today, as we recognize our seniors, we also remember that they're moving on to a new chapter in life and are one step closer to going into the real world. Along with this transition comes a huge change of scenery. So, that means different friends, a completely different town, obviously a different school, a different bed, and also a different church. Uh, this may scare some to think that they'll have to switch the church that they've been going to for such a long time and the church that they've been comfortable with, uh, whether you've been going here for, like me, about uh, 14 years, or you've been going here for about a year. I mean, you don't want to switch the normal. Uh, it really doesn't have to be as scary as you think, though. In fact, it can even strengthen your faith. And uh, it can encourage you to pursue the Lord in a more uh, intimate relationship with Him. This is because, like, when we're off on our own, with our own decisions to make, and no parents around to tell us what to do, or how to do it, for that fact, we'll learn to lean on the Lord more, and uh, more than we have in high school, because we're on our own, you know? I mean, 
We don't have anyone telling us what to do. <clears throat> I mean, at least hopefully you learn how to lean on the Lord because on another side of things, students who have been going to church throughout their whole life or just a little bit uh, also tend to leave the church during this big transition in their life. So they tend to fall off. They tend to fall off the map. And uh, I actually found some uh, statistics for that, and I want to share those with you. A new study from LifeWay Research Group found that two-thirds of young adults who attended a Protestant church, so a church like this, regularly for at least a year as a teenager, said they stopped going for at least a year between the ages of 18 and 22, which is the ages of college. The study also found that the likelihood of leaving church increased with age, with a proportion saying they regularly attended church falling from 69% at the age of 17 to 58% when they were 18 and then to 40 when they were 19. It's a big drop-off. These numbers are pretty staggering, and uh, they shouldn't be taken lightly, because that's serious stuff. That's a lot of people leaving. Um, kids are leaving their church family, essentially, and uh, they're putting themselves in isolation by separating themselves from their family um, and from fellow believers. It's been found, and actually in several studies, that isolation from not just church family, but from other humans in general, it can, it's linked to stress, depression, and even suicidal behavior. So that's why we're not created to be in isolation. God did not create us to be alone. We need other people to help guide us through life and to help walk with us through life because life's hard. It's going to get even harder because this is the easiest part of our life as, as high school seniors. We're going to go on to a new chapter. It's only going to get harder from here. That's why humans need real and genuine fellowship with others. And more importantly, believers need fellowship with their other brothers and sisters in Christ. Through this fellowship, believers are encouraged and their faith grows stronger. This type of edifying and genuine relation, or fellowship between believers can be found all throughout the book of Acts and in the early church, as house churches were a common gathering during that time. Um, so today, I really want to talk about the importance of this fellowship uh, what it looks like, and how, how we can pursue it in our lives, kind of in context of uh, the seniors leaving for college. So please open your Bibles to Acts 2, uh, verses 42 through 47. After Romans. Wait, before Romans. Sorry. So at this time in the book of Acts, uh, the Holy Spirit had just come and fell uh, on all the believers at Pentecost, and after that, uh, Peter preached one of his most famous sermons, um, and he pro proclaimed the gospel of Christ for pretty much the first time after Jesus had ascended, and uh, a crowd of more than 3,000 people were saved, so that's pretty memorable. Uh, but anyways, uh, so I'm going to be reading out of the ESV, and I want everybody to stand. Uh, I've seen Nathan do this before, and I think it's awesome. I think it shows a great reverence for the Word of God that we're about to read. Um, I'm not going to make you stand the whole time. I just want you to read it with me. So if you don't have ESV, I'm, I'm reading out the ESV. I think it'll be up there. Verse 42. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. And awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, 
they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You may be seated. So uh, during the writing of the sermon, I was trying to think of a, a good illustration to show uh, what this fellowship looks like as a Christian, uh, the fellowship that we just read in Acts 2. And I thought of an interesting analogy. Just try to bear with me here because I, I think it works pretty well. So imagine being stuck in, in a horrible blizzard in the Rocky Mountains. You're in your car, and it lacks the ability to go into four-wheel drive, so you're going to be there for a pretty long time. You have nowhere to go. <laughs> All of a sudden, you see headlights in your rearview mirror, and a large truck comes in front of you and straps itself to your car to pull you out of the horrible blizzard. Before you know it, you're out of this blizzard, safe and sound, and all you had to do was look at the taillights of a, a massive truck that pulled you out. Now look at it this way. This blizzard is the sin, the suffering, and the sadness that the, this world can bring. And sometimes it's hard to see out of this storm when you're faced with all these problems that are in your way and they're blurring your vision. Also, you don't have four-wheel drive, which symbolizes that you can't get out uh, by yourself. You have, you have to have someone or something pull you out. Now for the good part. The truck that straps itself to you is the fellowship of other believers. Through this fellowship, we are strengthened and are able to get out of that rut that we were once in, the, the blizzard that we were stuck in. This fellowship brings us in the love of God and the joy that we have in Christ. So we're out of the blizzard now uh, because of the big truck. Um, without the help of other believers and the constant reminding of the good news of God, we would be plagued with this sin and this sadness and this suffering, and we would be without hope for the future. And that's why I thought it was a great illustration just to show that this fellowship pulls us out of that. We need that, that fellowship. So I just want to start off with an analogy, uh, but I really just want to go verse by verse uh, on this passage in Acts. So I'll start in verse 42, and it says, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers. So the believers during this time of the early church, they always devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. What was the apostles' teaching? The gospel. The gospel. They were, pre they were constantly reminding each other, other of the, the gospel of Christ, the good news that they had just heard, the good news that Peter just preached, and, and where thousands of people were saved. They were devoted to that, to that teaching. This is what they spent their lives on. I mean, this is all they had. So I looked it up in, in Webster's Dictionary, and it says the word devoted means to be fully committed or loyal to something. So ask yourself this. Are we constantly committed to the gospel and sharing it? Do we think about it every day and share it with uh, all we come in conversation with, just like, you know, the early church did? I mean, they were always together, reminding each other of this good news and bringing each other into a healthy fear of the Lord. I know the believers in the early church did. I know that they were constantly sharing this with everybody, and they were committed and loyal to this gospel because the only hope that they had. 
But not only did they devote, devote themselves to the gospel, but they were always in constant fellowship with one another. And they were always eating and praying together, like the verse says. Okay, so eating is one of my favorite things to do in the world. I don't know if anyone shares that with me, but I love it. I love trying out new and, and weird restaurants just to say that I went there and I tried it out, uh, but I, I never go alone. I always bring a friend or two, and, and we have a great time eating ramen or Ethiopian cuisine at Sam's Bistro. And some of my best memories are eating lunch with, or dinner out with my friends. So I just love it. I really believe this is what the believers during this time did. I can just imagine them eating a whole lamb or, or whatever around a big table and having the time of their lives. I'm certain that they, they thoroughly enjoyed fellowship with, with one another. Uh, and through these times, they grew closer and they made an everlasting bond with one another. This is what it should be like with our church body. We should want to spend time with each other and eat food with one another and constantly be praying together and just being with each other, being in fellowship. Because I know I really enjoy it when I eat food with my friends. We have a great time. We're always laughing. <laughs> so, let's look at the next verse. Verse 43, it says, and awe came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. So what's interesting here is the word awe used here is the Greek word phobos, and that sounds like phobia, uh, because it kind of does mean that. It means, this, this word translated literally into English means that which strikes terror. So the believers always had a great fear in their souls, like a healthy fear, you know? The healthy fear is the fear of the Lord that I was just talking about. They had great reverence for God and all that he was doing during this time in the church. And because of this, God was doing diverse miracles, as the verse states, and he was doing wonders uh, through the apostles to bear witness to the truth of the gospel uh, that they were sharing. Actually, in Romans 3.18, uh, the Greek word phobos is used again just to show kind of what, how it's used in the Bible. It says, there is no fear of God before their eyes. I'm sure y'all are aware of that verse. So y'all have heard it. This verse was the exact opposite of the fellowship of the believers. They had a fear. They had uh, a terror kind of uh, before the Lord. They had awe. And uh, through being constantly devoted to the apostles' teaching, they had great fear and awe for the Almighty God. And with this awe came true worship and love for the Lord. And we see that in, in life today. When we are in constant fear of him, we go into true worship and, and love for God. And we finally realize what this thing is all about. So this is why believers need to be in awe at all times. They need to be in this fear. With this fear, we are constantly reminded of the Lord's power and his sovereignty in our lives. Our fellow brothers and sisters are to always push us to this healthy fear of the Lord, just like the fear that we have for our parents, especially my mom. Love you, Mom. I'm just kidding. Not really. <clears throat> so let's look at verse 44 through 45 and what that says. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. 
So in these verses, the believers were basically giving away their possessions as others had need of it. Um, I like to call this Christian communism. I don't know why. But I really think this is the only way communism will actually work because of the genuine love that believers should have for each other and uh, realizing that everything's not their own, everything's temporary, and they have an internal prize, they'll be willing to give it away. So basically nothing was their own because they knew that their belongings were temporary and that their prize was eternal. This form of economy actually worked for the Jerusalem Christians during this time for a, a decent amount of time, I mean, until jealousy, greed, and unforgiveness crept into their society because of human sin and the flesh that holds us captive. I mean, Paul even describes this uh, very well in Romans seven eighteen through 20 when he says, uh, For I know that nothing good dwells in me that is in my flesh. For I have the desire to do what is right, but not the ability to carry it out. For I do not do the good I want, but the evil I do not want is what I keep on doing. Now, if I do what I do not want, it is no longer I who do it, but sin that dwells within me. So, even though some are controlled by sin, just as these Jerusalem Christians were deluded by some Christians that had jealousy and greed and wouldn't want to give away their own belongings, even though they make these mistakes and even though they make these, these transgressions, even against you, the job of believers, our job, is to look over that sin and those mistakes. We are to keep the unity of the Spirit of Christ. I mean, Paul even says it. He says, live in harmony with one another. So that means it's our job as fellow brothers and sisters in Christ to keep this harmony by forgiving one another and loving each other with a love that just doesn't make sense to the world, even when it's the most difficult thing in the world. This, ultimately, it honors the Lord, and that's our greatest purpose on this earth, is to honor Him. I was reading this uh, little passage, and uh, I thought of a story. Um, I called Kyle up last night, and uh, I remembered his testimony that he shared up at the church. I don't know, y'all probably haven't, some of y'all probably haven't heard his full testimony, but it's awesome. I think you should hear it sometime. Go ask him about it. But uh, I think his testimony is a fantastic example of what true forgiveness looks like as a, as a believer. So, uh, I mean, <clears throat> basically, he, he, gave, he forgave a man that was formerly in the Khmer Rouge, a communist party that ruled in Cambodia over 30 years ago. This man would basically kill people for fun, and he was controlled by the, the great evil of the Khmer Rouge and communism. When Kyle met him a few years ago, uh, I think it was at a, a pastor's conference or uh, when he was in Cambodia, he knew that he could possibly have been the man that actually killed his, most of his family uh, when he was only a child in Cambodia. Naturally, this would make someone hate feel disgust for, or even want to kill someone who did this to their family. I mean, I know I would naturally. However, Kyle knew that he couldn't forgive him out of the flesh. He was to forgive this man as Christ first forgave him. That's what he told me last night. I thought that was awesome. So Kyle was able to make peace with this man. 
And he's even a fellow brother in the faith now, which is awesome. This type of forgiveness and love is to be shown between believers in order to keep harmony with each other and to stay in unity with the Spirit of Christ. So Kyle is a fantastic example. <clears throat> Let's look at the last two verses. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. So in these last few verses, we see an emphasis on the, the constant fellowship and the fear of the Lord. It's continued again. Uh, as it says, they were constantly praising God and uh, receiving food with glad and generous hearts. Um, and another thing in this uh, little passage is that the believers attended temple together daily, and uh, they stayed in that Christ-like unity, constantly engaging in fellowship uh, by going to church is an absolute must as a follower of Christ. I mean, if you think about it, the reason we go to church is to be with our family. I mean, that's pretty much what it is. We're a part of the family of God once we become believers in Christ. But we're also to become a part of our own separate little church family. And that's what edifies us and grows us in our faith. However, I know some people struggle with this, and they don't feel the need to join a church family. They just don't see it. I mean... They're already a Christian. They're already saved. They don't need any more help than that. And, I mean, some just believe that it isn't essential to growing their faith, and they don't put it as top priority. But this is where they fail, actually. Because of this, believers will sometimes fall off the map. I know we've seen that sometimes here, and that's at any church. And when they fall off the map, they don't get the fellowship that they desperately need as a Christian this lack of accountability that happens when you fall off the map is that's how believers fall into sin and, and temptation so frequently in their lives, and that's how they become stagnant in their faith is when they isolate themselves from their own church family and they don't even put church as a top priority. They put something else like sports or whatever it is. But this concept of falling off the map isn't even new. Some people think it's uh, happened in the last 50 years or whatever. No, this, 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 is, this happened in, even in the early church. I mean, it says it in, in Hebrews uh, 10, 24 through 25, as the author addresses those who neglect the importance of fellowship among believers. It says, <clears throat> And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. If we neglect fellowship with others, our faith stops being our top priority, and in turn, it becomes stagnant. Let me repeat that. If we neglect fellowship with others, our faith, it stops being our top priority, and in turn, it becomes stagnant. Our faith is to be our top priority in life. Our faith is the only thing that brings hope and joy to our lives, unlike the temporary things of this world. That is why it should be our top priority, our number one thing. It should center around everything that we do. 
in order to show its importance, we are to be with our church family with every opportunity that we get. No matter if it's, like I said, eating out or praying or going to Wednesday night church, going to Sundays, having a little Bible study, who knows? But we need this fellowship. We need other believers to encourage us and to help us through the struggles that we face in life. Through this, our faith grows. It doesn't become stagnant. Once we are in fellowship with fellow believers, our faith isn't stagnant. It's growing constantly. Other believers are edifying us and and helping us through things. And that should just encourage us when we're in fellowship. It it should just encourage us to to want to know more about the Lord and to, to grow our joy in the Lord. Now, if you haven't been listening this whole time or you just fell asleep, I don't know, I might be pretty boring, please let these be the small bits of wisdom that you hear. So listen up, seniors, wherever you are. We are to be in constant awe of what God has done for us by constantly devoting ourselves to his truth. We are to be in the word. We are to be with other believers in a Bible-believing church so that we're constantly reminded of what God has done for us and we're constantly being reminded of his truth. We are to be in constant and genuine fellowship with one another, whether that be in a small Bible study or a dinner with friends. That's important. We are to be a part of a church family at all times that can encourage us and strengthen us. And I'm looking at all the seniors because we're, we're making a big transition right now. We're going to be looking for a new church. We don't want to change the church that we've been going to. It's hard. I know. I have to go through it too. <laughs> but we need to have this fellowship. It's so important. So when you get there, talk to people. Ask, hey, have you gone to the churches around here? Do you know any churches uh, that are good, that are Bible-believing? And just look around for a little bit and find the one that fits you. Find the one that, that God wants you at, the one that you can, you can grow at. You just need a church family. Don't ask, what can this church do for me? Ask what you can do for the church, okay? Because, I mean, it's, you're only going to be there for about four years. I mean, unless you're really smart and you want to be a doctor or whatever, and you'll be there for like 20, so... Also, we are to keep unity in the Spirit of Christ by keeping peace among other believers and looking over their sins and their mistakes, even if it's against us. We're supposed to look over that. And it sounds crazy, it sounds hard, but it's what we got to do as believers. That's what we're called to. Christ first forgave us. So we are to forgive those who've done us wrong. And finally, and most importantly, we are always to remember the gospel of Christ and to share it with anyone that we come in contact with because it's the reason that we are saved, we're saved from our sins, and the reason that we have eternal life in God. That should be the center of everything. The gospel is everything. It's all that we have. It's the, it's the hope. 
It's the hope that guides us. And if we center our lives around that truth, the truth of God and Christ, we can have this, this, this fellowship and we can grow in our faith and we can do big things because God, God's an awesome God. He's going to do big things with y'all as y'all leave for college and not just the college kids, anyone here. He does big things through other people in your church family. God works a lot through other people. I mean, if you look all throughout the New Testament, I mean, after Jesus left, the ones that were doing the miracles were the apostles. God wasn't just plopping stuff down. People were, he, people were commissioned to, to heal and to, to pray for the sick, and just like Peter and, and Paul and James and all the other apostles, they were commissioned to do that. A lot of stuff was done through them. God likes to use ordinary things to do, or ordinary people, sorry, to do extraordinary things. I want to end with one of my favorite passages because uh, I think it's just a good way to end uh, because, I mean, God's Word is beginning and end. So I think, I think this is perfect. It's one of my favorite passages in the New Testament. It's an early church creed uh, that trusted historians and scholars date back to around 30 to 35 AD. They, they really believe that the early church was reciting this constantly, just like uh, I know Catholics recite the Apostles' Creed. This was an early church creed that was repeated at almost every service. So it's 1 Corinthians 3-5. through 5. I don't know if they'll have it up on the board. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the Scriptures. He was buried. He was raised on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And that He appeared to Cephas and then to the Twelve. That's it. That's the Gospel. That's what we live by. That's what we share with others. This is where our hope is found. And this is where true fellowship is found when we believe in this Gospel when we believe in this truth? Are we sharing this constantly? Is it always in the back of our mind? Are we in constant supplication towards God and thanking Him for this amazing gospel that He would die for our sins even though we never deserved it? Think about that. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for uh, letting us come here today and be able to hear your word. Uh, I just ask that it didn't lay on deaf ears, uh, that those who were here heard it, and uh, that they received it. And God, I just thank you for this, this wonderful uh, day to just symbolize the transition that these seniors are taking to to graduating and becoming college students, God. I just ask that you would be with us uh, with all the nerves that we have um, for leaving college, Lord. And I just ask that we would trust in you fully, God, that we would trust in the truth of your word and that nothing else would hinder us from that. So as we leave for uh, our, our college or not even college kids, Lord, as we leave this church, as Everyone in here, Lord, I just ask that you would help us to remember and stay in constant awe of your gospel so that we can have genuine fellowship with other believers 
so that our faith may grow stronger and that way that we may glorify you. We love you and we thank you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.